Again, we want to thank you all for being here. If you're watching online, thank you for joining us. We start the first week of our new series, Beatitudes and Beyond. The entire series will be based out of Matthew 5. I didn't get the Version Bible app up this week. I do apologize for that, so you have to follow along on the screen or just uh, in your Bible app or on your old-fashioned paper Bible yourselves. But we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 today. Now, I don't know if any of you guys have ever felt this way, um, but... Sometimes I feel like I'm just not enough, and I admitted that this week in our small group during um, the gathering, and I will tell you that, uh, shameless plug, it was one of the best small group experiences I've ever had, so just a shameless plug for y'all to come and try it out if you haven't been coming. The gathering uh, is pretty excellent at times, at least. Um, I will say this, now, while there are times that I feel insufficient, I realize because the fact of the matter is that I am. Okay, I am. That's why I feel that way, because I myself am insufficient. But I was reminded this week by a wise young man that even though I am insufficient, God never is. And even in my weakness, God is strong. I don't have to be great all the time because God is great inside of me. In Matthew 5, Jesus delivers the Sermon on the Mount. Now, he didn't call it that. We called it that later. Uh, The reason that we called it that is because he delivered the sermon while sitting on a mountainside, in case you were just wondering about that. Now, uh, this is kind of Jesus' coming out party, so to speak. And in Matthew chapter 5, at least in the first few verses, he starts by encouraging the people there to listen. Now, this encouragement should not only lift your spirits, but it should transform your souls. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, it says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. First thing we need to understand today is that a beatitude literally means happy or blessed. You see, the beatitudes are blessings from Christ. Blessing not only the believers that were there today, But like so often is the case for an infinite God, these blessings go on for generation after generation, so they apply to us as well. Now the first thing that we're told is that the poor in spirit are blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now this isn't addressing those who are feeling disconnected from the Holy Spirit, big S spirit. This is small S spirit. And so what it means, what it literally means is those of humble disposition. Blessed are people who are humble, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's addressing those that in light of God's presence, right, an understanding of who he is, recognize that we really are void of everything. It's those that understand that our sin makes us that way. And because our sin makes us void of everything, because our sin makes it to where we have nothing to offer God, we are humble in response. We're humble in response. And we, we obtain that humility when we, when we wrap ourselves up in it, cloak ourselves in humility. That is when we are gifted the kingdom of heaven. And only then can that happen. This condition that is inescapable due to sin, right, is one that we spew forth into the world, right? The sin that we just continually shoot off from us. That, that's what makes us void. 
we have to understand that God is the only thing that can correct that symptom. He's the only doctor with the cure, so to speak. And wrapping our heads around that is paramount to obtaining heaven. Proverbs 3, 34 says, He mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. You see, humility is the key that unlocks the gates to heaven. Humility is the key that unlocks the gates to heaven. Humility really is freedom from arrogance or pride. And it takes work a lot of times for us to get there because we're born sinful creatures who honestly have a lot of pride in ourselves. Even those of us who say, well, I struggle with, you know, pride and I I struggle with feeling good about myself, yet we still want to control everything in life, right? And, And so even those of us who feel like I don't really have anything to be proud about and I don't think that I'm a prideful person, really what it comes down to is seeing yourself in correct position with God and turning your entire life over to him. That's what humility is. As Christians, if people don't see humility in us, where can we expect them to find it? We live in a world that humility is put on the back burner. Own it. Own it, girl. Right? Like, like, Be proud of what you got. Tell everybody about it. Don't hide your light. Shine bright. I don't know if anybody says that, but it sounds cool. I'm going to put on a t-shirt. I'm going to create my own t-shirt company. I don't know if anybody knows that, but you should like an Etsy page or something where I'm going to have all sorts of slogans just on t-shirts that will shrink up after the first time you wash them. You'll never be able to wear it again, but it'll be fantastic. It'll be fantastic. As Christians, we have to be the beacon of humility in our world. We have to show others what humility truly looks like because it's only, again, I'm going to say this again, it's only when we can get to that place. It's only when we can turn off that thing in our head that says, I should brag about this. I should think how great I am. I should think of myself more than what I am that that we actually obtain Jesus. God goes on to say, or I should say Jesus rather goes on to say, blessed are those that mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. See, we need to understand that God is for those of us who feel like we've gotten the short end of the stick. God is for you. And those times where you feel downtrodden, and those times where you feel sad, and those times where you feel less than, and those times where you feel like the whole world's against you, and those times when you can't win and it feels that way because you really can't win, God is for you. God is for you. When you were diagnosed with that illness that you didn't deserve or treated harshly at work in a way that you didn't deserve or struggling in a relationship that means a lot to you or just struggling with how you view yourself in this world, you need to understand that God is for you and he's listening and he's there. Blessed are those that mourn for they will be comforted. For they will be comforted. Now, whether we, we mourn because we're in a, a condition, we're in a place that we got to because of our own sin, or we're in a place that, that we have been put in just because of the sinfulness of this world and the fact that our world is broken and won't be fixed until Jesus comes back one day and fixes it, God hears your cries. 
You need to know that. God hears your cries. They don't fall on deaf ears. And when your tears fall, they don't fall in vain. In Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3, it says that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, this is Isaiah talking. He sent me to release from darkness for the prisoner. Sorry, I skipped the line. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord will display of his splendor. You see, God will turn our mourning to dancing. Did you guys hear that? God will turn our mourning to dancing. He will replace your ashes of despair with a crown of beauty. He will take your sadness and he will make that joy. And your despair will turn to praise. And the last part of this passage I really love. You will become a focal point for his splendor. You will become a focal point for his splendor. You see, it's so easy for us to focus on how bad we feel in times when we feel bad, whether we should feel that way or maybe we shouldn't, right? The thing I've learned about feelings in life is whether that feeling is right or wrong, it's still valid. Does that make sense? Whether that feeling is right or wrong, it's still valid. So you may feel a certain way about yourself, that you're not beautiful or you're not smart or you're not good enough or God doesn't love you or that feeling is valid because it's really how you feel, even if it's wrong, right? Because we are all wonderful and beautiful handmade creations of God. And that's something that we have to cling to and that's something that we have to understand. But you also need to understand that God will take even the darkest times in your life, even the darkest times in your life, and flip that on its head to where you become a beacon for his splendor. We need an example. Great, I have one. Remember last week when I came up on stage and I said, I don't really want to be here and I don't feel very good today and I don't really want to be around people and I kind of just want to hide out in my house, away from everybody, because I just feel less than, and I don't feel very good, and I couldn't even explain it. I didn't know why, but I just had anxiety to the, I mean, top of the cup, overflowing. And I was feeling this big. And then you as a church surrounded me, and you came and you prayed for me, and you put your hands on me, and it changed everything. And I went from feeling this small to as big as I probably actually am right? I went from feeling so tiny, so insignificant to realizing that not only did God love me, but that the people around me loved me and that they wanted me here. God took my time of mourning. He took my time of self-hate and flipped it on its head, and he did it in the span of a morning. You know, when we lose a loved one and we, we bury that loved one and we have a ceremony for that loved one, we have the funeral and we are just completely brokenhearted because why? We've lost somebody that we love. And that makes perfect sense. What happens? In almost every case, and in the cases that it doesn't, oh, heartbroken. But, but what usually happens? People surround you. And they surround your family. And they send flowers. And they let you know that they're there for you. And they let you know that they're, 
sorry for your loss, and they do everything they can to let you know that you're supported and you are loved. God is literally taking your time of mourning and he's making you the pinnacle of someone else's life in that moment. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. God hears your cry. He hears your cry and he doesn't want you to mourn alone. And he can change everything in an instant just for you. Jesus goes on to say that blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. You know, a key characteristic of the meek is that they are gentle to all men. I'm going to say that again because I'm going to admit something else here in a second that as a pastor I shouldn't, it's bad and all that stuff. A key, character, a key characteristic to the meek is that they are gentle to all men. I'm usually only gentle to the ones I love. Good news is I typically love people pretty easily. But man, sometimes if you get on my bad side or I just have had enough, I'm not very nice to you. Now, I, I try to do, you know, my mom always taught me you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything nice at all, so I do the thing where I walk away. But God at no point in life has called us to walk away. Now, if that is your last resort, then yes, walk away before you tear somebody down. Walk away before you are not gentle. But God didn't call us to walk away from people just because we dislike those people. He called us to love our enemies. He called us to love those that we don't like. He called us to love those who don't deserve it. You hear me on that? If we want to be meek, then we must be gentle to all people. All people. It's not conditional. It's not conditional. And it shouldn't be because God's love for us isn't conditional. His love for us is steadfast. He who looks at you and me and probably says, man, that guy's not worthy or that woman's not worthy. And you know what? He loves us anyways. And as Christians, little Christ, aren't we supposed to have the same attitude that Christ has towards us as we, you know, that we're supposed to have towards others? We're supposed to have that same exact attitude, that same exact outlook. Mild, kind, not harsh or severe to all men. It goes on to say that those that remember that they are saved to do good and not just feel what's good, or not just do what feels good. I'm not, blah, 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 blah. need to rewind that one. Wish we were still like recording services, Phil. We would edit that out. We would stop. We would edit. We would pick back up. Nobody would have ever known. We're supposed to be kind. And remember that we are saved to do good, not just what feels good. Much better point when you get it out correctly. We are saved to do good, not just what feels good. Titus 3, 1 and 2. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. Titus 3, 1 through 2, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always be gentle towards everyone. If all you heard right there was a campaign ad for Trump, you need to shake your head out and listen again. Okay? Okay? Because what you should have heard was be peaceable and gentle to everyone. This verse was delivered to a group of people who were under extreme just suppression. 
and, and the government had their thumbs on them. And, and man, they just were in a place where they hated everything. And so God was reminding his people here through this verse that you're to be gentle to everyone, not just those that treat you well, not just those that, that you agree with, not just those that are allowing you your freedom, but you are to be peaceful and gentle towards everyone always. And that's the message. That's the message. And that's how we have to approach life. Theologian Matthew Henry explains, the meek can bear provocations without being inflamed by it, are either silent or return a soft answer without being transported into any indecencies, who can be cool when others are hot and in their patience keep possession of their own souls when they can scarcely keep possession of anything else. They are meek who are hardly provoked, but quickly and easily pacified, and who would rather forgive 20 injuries than revenge one, having the rule of your own spirits. I mean, I've got a mama joke ready for every comeback at any point in life. And I say that halfway jokingly, but it's also really true. I walk around with comebacks ready to fire. For anybody who wants to toss a knife in my direction, you're going to get a sword, sword thrown back in yours. That is not a good way for me to live my life. It is not a godly way to live my life. And my wife, her biggest pet peeve about me, I think she would tell you, is that I cannot just get somebody back even. Right? She sprinkles water on me. It's an entire pitcher of water on her. I don't know why. Maybe it's the little brother in me. I don't know what it is. But, like, if it's just a little thing, it's good. Like, I don't know how to explain it. You looked at my car wrong. I'm going to go wreck yours. I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I just... that's not exactly true, but that's like to the degree how my brain works. You did this little thing. Oh man, you're in for it. You know, you accidentally tripped me. I'm going to like set up surround saran wrap with glue to stick to your face when you walk through the door. I I don't know, like things, it's not maturity. I'll tell you that much, but it's how, (laughs) it's how I think the majority of the time. This is the one today that I struggle with more than anything else. Because I am not naturally a gentle person. And that is embarrassing, but it's true. I am not naturally a gentle person. I am easily angered. I will explode. I will embarrass myself. I will break things. Well, I haven't done that in a long time while we're being fair to myself in front of the television and Facebook and all that stuff. But... But if these words are supposed to describe who we are as Christians, I will say this, I can't always fit comfortably inside of that description. But that doesn't mean that my goal is not to get there. And that doesn't mean that our goal should not be to get to these places where we fit inside of these biblical descriptions of what followers of Jesus should be. You see, I think that the ideal Christian is at least these four things. They're meek. They understand that when they mourn, they're not going to be alone. They're humble. 
And lastly, they hunger and thirst for righteousness. We're told that blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. This is something that I've come to understand, that if the longing and desire of our hearts falls outside the realms of righteousness, do we even know God? That's a question that we have to actually ask ourselves. If the hunger and the thirst of our hearts I'm talking about the innermost desires of our being falls outside of the realms of righteousness. Can we even say that we know who God is? I'm not talking about a momentary lapse in judgment. I'm not talking about a poor decision. This is a prolonged thirst to see righteousness not only prevail in our lives, but in the lives of others. If we look at Romans 6.13, it says, Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought to, from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. You see, when we experience salvation, righteousness is credited to us by God. It's not deserved, it's grace. It's not deserved, it's grace. And it's our duty to show that same grace to everyone else that we come across in this world, to treat people with the same grace that we ourselves have received. That, to me, is righteousness. Righteousness also is untouched by outside opinion. You see, right is right and wrong is wrong. And I'm not talking about necessarily even falling inside of the realms of a stated law. Okay? Just because something is a law and permissible doesn't mean that it's good. And just because something is against the law and unpermissible, honestly, I feel, doesn't mean that it's bad. When it comes down to it as Christians, we have to listen to that big S spirit that dwells inside of us, that has implanted at our very core a thirst for righteousness and an alarm bell that goes off any time we stray outside of that. It's called your conscience. That's why you feel guilt when you should. We have to make sure that we hunger for these things and that we desire these things and that we work towards these things. Because in the end, it doesn't matter how awesome you were here when you walked this earth. It doesn't matter the riches that you piled up or the fact that you had power What's going to matter is how you treated people, how you viewed yourself in your relationship with the Lord. Did you hunger and did you thirst for righteousness? And did you seek Jesus in everything that you did? Because that's all that matters. And when we leave this place, that's all that we're going to get to take with us is that reputation. And I try to teach my kids that I teach this all the time. You will be remembered a thousand times more for treating people with kindness and grace and being humble than you ever will for walking these halls, tooting your own horn, and being disrespectful to your teachers and your classmates. 
we have control of the impression that we leave with others and of the legacy that we live behind. And even if that legacy dies out soon after we're gone, even if our name's never put on a school building or a government building, even if our face isn't on a currency, that legacy is of ultimate importance. And we should strive to make sure that that legacy that we leave behind is one that we could take and lay before God and be proud of. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now and I thank you for this day. Lord, I praise you for the ability to come into your house of worship and just worship you and dive into the word. And Lord, I pray that this brought encouragement to others that, that it wasn't one of those things that we just kind of sat here and felt bad about what was being said. Um, God, I hope that we can use today as a, a mirror to have some self-reflection in and make sure that we are in line with all of these teachings. God, help us. Help us to be meek. Help us to be gentle to everyone that we come across. God, call us out on our lack of humility when that's present. Be with us when we mourn. Not, not even that. Just help us to know that we're there because you are with us when we mourn. Help us to, to just confidently see the love that you have for us in those times where we feel like we're not good enough and we're less than and you aren't listening. God, help us to be instruments of righteousness, to make sure that we're carrying out righteousness in our world, godly righteousness, and to, to hunger and to thirst for that and to fight for that and to fight for what's right, not what is politically correct, not what makes us feel good, not what our political party says we should fight for. Help us to cast everything aside except for what it is that you would have us fight for, God. And make that plain and clear to all of us. Lay it on our hearts to be these things so that we can further the kingdom of God and that we can spread the love of Jesus. Because that's the only legacy that I care about leaving behind. the end of my days, I want people to say, you know, he wasn't perfect, which they'll have to say because that was true. But he loved Jesus and he loved people. God, we ask all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Stand and worship with us. Um, a few of you have talked to me about wanting to become a member of Crosspoint. If you want to make that decision today, um, come see me and, and, and uh, we'll celebrate. But uh, if you need to talk about salvation, if you have any questions on that, um, you know, sometimes at any age we realize that maybe we didn't quite have our heads screwed on straight with what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And if you need to talk about that today, then by all means, come see me. Otherwise, let's just stand and let's just pour our hearts out to Jesus right now in this time. There is a promise that points beyond my failure. There is 
still voice to silence all my fears even the worst of my mistakes are miracles in the making are miracles in the
stripes I am healed. Yes, Lord. With one touch I am made whole. You have spoken and I know that it is so. Your word is true. In the storm you are peace and your trust you. You have spoken and I know that it is so. Sing in the storm. In the storm you are peace and your love won't let me go. You have spoken and I know Thank you for your word. Lord, that all of creation respects your word. When you say something, it will be true. It will be done. We thank you, Lord, for listening to our cries, for hearing us when we are humble, when we are meek before you, Lord. You, you hear and respond, and you save the broken, the, the humble-hearted. You save us, God. You are the one who makes a way when there is no way. We love you, God. Continue to worship you now.
We're going to sing one more song here in a moment. I'm just going to take a quick second to pray for our offering. Um, we typically would pass the place, where we're not doing that right now. Um, just to keep everyone safe and healthy. But uh, we do have a way. If you want to give in person, you can do that in the back on your way out. Um, there will be a box back there um, that's locked that you can drop that in. Uh, or you can give online, of course, um, like so many of you do. So um, let's pray, and then we'll uh, worship God with one more song, just uh, singing about his love. God, we thank you that you are um, changing lives, that you are on the move, that you are, even when we don't see you working, you are still there in the background working on our behalf. You're making us meek, you're making us humble, you're making us uh, more like your son. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would be um, doers of the word this week, not just listeners, but actually act out these beatitudes. We know that we are blessed when we do that. And we want your blessings, God. Um, speaking of blessings, Lord, you have blessed us with so many things. And uh, the, the, uh, our possessions, the, the salaries that we have, the, the money that we make, Lord, it all comes from you. It's not, it's not anything that we've done. It's, it's a gift from you, God, or your blessings upon us. So we give to you. We give our tithes and our offerings to you, Lord, um, whether online or in person, Lord. Um, we give it to you um, out of a grateful heart, uh, just saying thank you for everything that you've given us. We love you. In your name I pray. Amen.
You chase me down. You seek me out. How could I be lost when you have called me found? You chase me down. You seek me out. How could I be lost when you have called me found? You chase me down. You seek me online if you uh, were watching us and, and hopefully singing with us uh, those songs I hope they they uh, uh, touch your heart this morning um, uh, stick around and uh, hang out with us we'd like to hang out after service if you're willing to, to do that uh, we'd love to get to know you some more so um, thanks for being here let's be hu um, humble meek let's be the kind of attitudes that God wants to see um, God wants to bless I'll see you next time